0: Welcome to the Restaurant Realty in 10, 10 minutes of uncensored straight talk for restaurant entrepreneurs. Weekly, the Restaurant Realty in 10 dives into restaurant operations, facilities, real estate, and investments. Welcome to the Restaurant Realty in 10. I'm your host, Michael Carrow. Today, I'm with Andy Simpson with Hospitality Design and Development. Andy works with food halls. He works on both creating them, designing them, and developing them. And so I wanted to bring him in to talk about Why would any developer decide that a food hall will be right for his development? Andy, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. It's fun to be here. So let's dive straight in. You know developers and they come to you saying, hey, listen, I think a food hall would make sense in my project. How do you go through evaluating whether or not that would even make any sense? Yeah,
1: it's a tough question because really there's a lot that goes into whether or not a project is right for a food hall. As you've probably heard, there are hundreds of them being developed in, in the United States right now, kind of in every type of building. The term food hall is being used to, to discuss a number of different kinds of food service projects. What I've determined is a food hall is at least eight to ten restaurants or more in a multi-use environment. It may or may not have alcohol. It may or may not have retail or other things with it.
0: Okay, so that's a great overview of what food halls are. So now let's get back to the developer. He's got a piece of property or he has a building and he wants to determine whether a food hall makes sense for that project what evaluation process would they go through for that?
1: The best way to start that is really to get someone like me or somebody who's got some experience developing a food hall to look at their project and do a, an, an overall quick kind of a study to say, how many food operators can we fit into this? What type of a mix works here based on your building? Because they're very different. It can be a very different scenario based on the type of property it is, where it is, all, anything that's around it. That can be a very different thing. Economics enter in immediately. Food halls are expensive. Uh, Generally, it's a capital intensive business, just like the restaurant industry in general. But a food hall is even more so in that a number of locations that probably work really well for a food hall are also ones that are tough to build in. So getting that understanding right from the start to make sure that you're not going down a path that's eventually going to lead to A rent situation for an operator that's not going to work. I try to get to that bottom line pretty quickly with somebody just to determine what do we think it's really going to cost to do this and can we back into making sure that that's a
0: great opportunity for an operator. So each developer, it may depend on whether they are the owner of the building and they're building this as an amenity to their current multi tenant mix or if it is an entrepreneur looking to lease space from a master landlord and then sublease, if you will, spaces to the individual restaurant. So there's different levels of rationale for why one may do a food haul. Who do you primarily see come to actually build a food hall?
1: That's changed a lot. The second scenario you just listed with an entity coming in and being a tenant and master leasing, There aren't very many of those left now because the business is so hard to do from an economic standpoint. What I'm seeing more is a developer who realizes they've got a piece of property that they need great food service as a great amenity. So they understand that they need that food and beverage pretty badly. They, in many cases, have tried to find a master leasey as you described, but there aren't very many of them out there. I was involved with a group that was probably only one of a couple around the country that were actively looking for leases. So mostly it's a developer now.
0: Okay, Andy, so let's assume that the developer looked at all the numbers and determined that it does make financial sense to build this food hall. What would be their next step? Next steps are really creating the vision for what the property is.
1: Saying the term food hall can go a lot of different ways as we talked about. There are urban market food halls that are more like hallways with awesome little shops in a straight row like you might see at a train station. There are ones that are more spread out with lots of seating in between. What we're trying to do is match what a version of a food hall works for a particular location. As an example, I'm working on one in an environment where there's a lot of residential, but also has a strong daytime population. And that's one of the things that a food hall has never really done well, was transformed a day part into night. Most food halls do a great job at lunch. It's a fun place to go during the day, not so much at night. So we're trying to figure out how do we
0: transition both the environment as well as the service model. So let's go through a sample scenario. Let's assume I have a building that has 15,000 square feet. And I've got, I come to you and I say, I want to do this. And we come up with a layout. We bring in an architect. You and the architect work together on a good workflow. Do we include a commissary kitchen in the back?
1: Yes and no. Commissary kitchens are challenging. First of all, health departments hate them. As you can well imagine, having a, a kitchen that's used by multiple Different operators in most states is and and really by National Sanitation Foundation's guidelines is not an acceptable practice as the Chipotle nightmare showed the world having chain of accountability for when, where products are developed and how they're done and how they're delivered to the public makes it very difficult. Now, there are shared aspects that can be done. So you're not duplicating the same things over and over again. As an example, walk-in space and all that. We'll generally put in a large walk-in, divide it up with cages inside, so that you don't end up having to do 10 of those. You might have, you know, one or two. Gotcha. Same thing with the wear washing. You can do some of that. Now... The more you do outside of an operator's food stall, the more they have to leave their space, the harder it is for them to manage their labor. As we all know in the restaurant industry, labor is our biggest challenge. So keeping everything as much as you can possibly do within their food stall is better. That's why we'll generally put three compartment sinks, as much storage as we can just for that shift or that service period within their food stall so they're not running back and forth
0: okay so let's assume that i've got this fifteen thousand square foot space we incorporate a large walk-in we have a common dishwashing area but we don't have a, a common hood where other things would be prepared everything would be prepared in the food stall so we get a contractor. What, as a landlord, what do I typically provide to my tenants before they move in? Let's just kind of talk about the infrastructure that a tenant should expect. Yeah, most food halls,
1: because they're very capital intensive and because they're in a in a large multi-use facility, you can't really do it the way you know a food court used to be done. A food stall is going to have some basic stuff in it, a three compartment sink, a couple of floor drains in the right places establish where that cook's line is going to be within the food stall. And then the operators can then come in and bring in some of their own cooking equipment. But you've already established kind of where those things are and they make sense, which is, again, why it's really important to have somebody involved who understands that. It's got to be not only a restaurant operator, probably, but somebody who's, who's developed a lot of restaurants so that they can kind of make sure that they're setting that infrastructure up in a way that when an operator comes to look at, they're going to go, yeah, that makes sense to me. I can understand why you put the plumbing where you did. And I'm not going to try to move it. Yeah. That's where it gets really expensive. You know, from the landlord's perspective also, it's an engineering. Everything has to work well together. You're putting in a common grease trap as an example, as opposed to a bunch of individual ones, much more cost effective overall. And that has to be done ahead of time. So you got to design that whole system.
0: Andy Simpson, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us a lot of insight on food halls. I know we have you planned for additional food hall podcasts to discuss other aspects of that exciting environment. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Restaurant Realty in 10. If you're interested in restaurants, whether operations, facilities, buying, leasing, or investment, the Restaurant Realty in 10 is for you. Please subscribe to this podcast and you can also visit therestaurantrealty.com for show notes, topics, and additional information.